You know, at the end of the day when you're just kind of fried and you know you've got that one more meeting or end of the day and someone calls and says, I could really use a hand with X and you go like, man, I want to be missional and live like a family. So, oh, I know. I'll pray and ask the Spirit for strength. And you do, and you pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so fried right now. I'm tired. You know the day I've had, and I'm sure it was from you and your sovereign. Could I just have some strength right now? And if you throw in a dash of good attitude to go with it, I'd love to go serve them. And I found the Spirit shows up every time. Oh, like really, like boom, I'm revived. Like seriously, every time I've ever prayed that. And usually he throws in the dash of good attitude to go with it. Then, this is the duh factor. Then it dawned on me this year, why go through your whole day in your own strength and then when you finally tap out, pray and ask for some Holy Spirit strength to get through that last push. Why not try this? Why not start your day by going, Holy Spirit, I want to do this day in your strength and power. I think the day holds X, Y, and Z. It's yours to reorder at will. I want to do all this in your strength. None of mine. I only want to say what I hear you say. Amen. Guess what happens then? You get that strength for the whole day. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, good to be back with you. Hope your week's going amazing. Hope you're experiencing grace and enjoying this amazing life that Jesus has called us to. It's been pretty quiet around here. I work from home. We record the podcast here in the studio at the house, but it's been pretty quiet around here for the past few days. My wife, Tina, and a couple of friends went to the coast this weekend to brainstorm and work on a new podcast. Yeah, a new podcast that'll be coming your way very soon. Not a new episode of this, but a whole new podcast. Maybe you'll remember back Oh, I don't know, several episodes back, Tina was joined by a friend of ours, Barb Terry, and they talked about discipleship and how it might be different for women. Well, they're working on a new podcast called Free to Be. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. It's sisters talking about life and faith and identity. And oh man, I I can't wait for this thing to come out. They want you to know who God says he is, who God says you are, and help empower and equip you to live and lead in light of your true gospel identity. What if God's wild, untamed nature and the glory of who he is wiped away all your fears and doubts, leaving you free to be whatever you were meant to be, who God's created you to be? That's what they're going to explore. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Can't tell you exactly when it's coming, but it's really going to be soon, and you're going to love that. And even though these are sisters talking to sisters as sisters about all this, I really think this is something that a lot of us guys are going to want and need to hear so we can lead well, lead our families well, lead our spouses well, all that, okay? I want to invite you to join us over on Facebook. We have a Facebook group over there for the Everyday Disciple podcast where we can discuss the podcast. You can ask questions about life in ministry, the gospel, how it all applies, your context, talk about the podcast, any of that, just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook or search in your Facebook for Everyday Disciple Podcast and join the group. We'd love to have your voice in there. And I'd love to get to know you better. And that's one of the ways to do that. Another way is I'd love to set up a short Zoom call to get to know you better. If you have any interest 
in learning a full framework for discipleship and mission the way we talk about it here on the podcast. If you want to grow in your gospel fluency in everyday life and have other couples, starting with Tina and I, as we coach you to live this life, we'd just love to talk to you. Get to know your story, tell you a little bit more about the coaching we offer. If you go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, there's a little video there on a page and a bunch of information about our coaching and a little short form you can fill out. We'll set up a Zoom call and we'll get to chat and hang out a little bit, see if this makes sense for you. We've got new courts starting up soon. Not a lot of slots. They usually fill up quicker than we'd hope. There's not been a lot of openings this year, but we do have some opening up soon. So check it out. Maybe that'll be something of interest to you. Now, if you listened to last week's podcast, you already know how powerful this understanding of gospel motivation is for all of us, not just church leaders, but for us individually, for how we lead our families, our communities, even how we interact with others at work and in all of life. The gospel changes all of that. It changes our motivations and our desires. This really is a message about how the gospel changes our affections and reshapes all of our lives our calendar, our pocketbook, all of that. And I think all of you listening will really benefit and be challenged by this. So if you missed last week, if you didn't hear the first part, part one, would you just stop now? I'll wait for you. Go back, listen to part one. It's powerful. This whole thing follows an order. And again, it's a part of something from a live talk I was giving in the past to a, a group of leaders, though this applies to all of us. And you can tell, I, I get pretty excited. I start really going for it, okay? I get passionate, but this is important stuff. And we pick up the talk today with part two, thinking about what it looks like to be both hearers of the word and doers of the word, listening and obeying God's call and commands to us, his family. So listen in, I'll be back at the end with some thoughts and I'll wrap up with the big three for today. Now, what you believe thirdly with your hands or with your life. Okay, that's kind of a weird way of saying it, but what you believe with your hands. Uh, what we've realized is the church, we do a pretty good job usually at filling up the head. Lots of knowledge. We're starting to wake up to like, does anybody believe any of this stuff? But usually it's not getting lived out. And, and let's go back to what Jesus said the mission was. Make disciples of mine, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Wouldn't it be awesome? And I've heard it. I've heard it. I don't know who it was that did it. Wouldn't it be awesome if you just got up at the end, you know, uh, a Sunday, pastors, and just said, um, I'm just going to preach last week's message again because y'all ain't living it out yet. Somebody did this. They preached the same message for like 10 weeks until they saw change. <laughs> I'm not saying we should do that. But I've had to have that conversation in my own missional community. Hey, when are we going to get back to some deep teaching in our missional community? Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, really studying like we, like we used to. Like, what do you mean? Well, remember when we did that study a few months back on James or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, see, we haven't been very faithful to live out any of that. So be honest with you, I'm not going to spend my time to prep up some more teaching that you can be disobedient to. So how about we just repent and get back to like being obedient to that. Faithful with a little, faithful with a lot. How about we go back to that? See, Scripture says, right, James says, be hearers and doers. 
So are you being obedient? Are your people being obedient to the call of discipleship? See, some people will nod their head. Oh, yeah, they'll quote it. Matthew, yeah, boy, here, as I've been sent, so I send you. Uh Uh-huh, I've heard heard it all, Pastor. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes, I do. Have you radically reoriented your life around that? Uh, Not so much. So don't really believe it with their hands, with their life. We have, an, uh, we have an online assessment we do for discipleship that measures sort of head, heart, hands in every sort of category of discipleship. And it's amazing to look at the distortion for what they know and what they'll actually, what they believe with their head, but what they believe with their hands is so different. Or sometimes it's the other way. What they believe with their hands, they're out living it like crazy, but they don't believe it in their heart. So now I know it's legalism, so I gotta go and give them some grace. What do they believe with their lives? What about this? Jesus said in Luke 14, 33. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Wow, thanks, Jesus. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. How are we doing at being obedient to that? Are we just calling people to be obedient to what Jesus has has commanded? Not our programs, not our vision, just his simple call there, simple. And, and, we, and we teach around that. Well, what he's really saying here is any of you who you should be willing to give up all that you have. It's not our stuff. I, I, I say this to our people all the time. How many of you came into the world naked? <laughs> Everybody, unless you're some sort of freak of nature or your mom and dad were doing something I don't even want to get a visual picture of. You came in with no clothes on and no stuff. Guess how you're going to go out of this world? With no stuff. That means everything in between was given to you by God. Everything. Your family, your house, your education, all your stuff, your retirement account, your IRA. It's all God's. Do they believe that? Are they being obedient to that? Are they living out what they would all, we would all agree to this stuff. Do they believe it with their lives? We'll, we'll often say to our folks, just so you know, we see you as your elders. We see you as all full-time paid staff. Full-time, full-time missionaries. There's no, there's no divide here of like, well, these handful of people get a salary from the church. They're the missionaries and then you guys are the, no, see, if, if if you have clothes on, that's everybody, and if you have eaten in the last 24 to 48 hours, I'm guessing that's everybody, unless somebody's on a, a, probably a personal decision to fast, and if you slept sheltered in any way last night, then God has kept his end of the bargain to meet your needs, which means you've been paid. How he chooses to route your paychecks is up to him. And some he routes through XYZ Community Church, and some he routes through Soma, and some he routes through The Journey, and some he routes through Boeing, and some he routes through Starbucks, and some he routes through Kmart. It doesn't really matter. Can we just trust God to route it however he pleases? But the fact that you have clothes, eaten, or sheltered means you're paid. This is all his stuff, folks. Are, are we leading our people to live lives of obedience? We were really convicted this year that as we were trying to be full of grace as a church, we also needed to be full of a call to obedience because the call there, again, simple, Jesus says, is make disciples, teaching them to obey, not just teaching them. 
If what we needed in America to get this thing all flipped around and righteous was one more awesome killer sermon, we'd have been there a long time ago. Knowledge alone, scripture talks about it, puffs up. Are we believing in our head? Are we believing in our hearts? Are we believing with our lives? Are we motivating our people with the right beliefs? And that's gonna include a call to believe it with your life. For us, a short, you know, like when we're looking at leaders, boom, we go right to like how they live in. Are they in missional community? Uh, to be an elder, in so many, you have to be a missional community leader who's making disciples who make disciples. If elders aren't, who's gonna? Who's, like, who's gonna teach who, right? We look at your finances, look at your budget. Are you faithful with God's stuff? Nope, you live like it's yours. There's some growth there. We wanna call you to that. Loved and accepted regardless, but we want to still call you to this. It's not your stuff. You're living like it's your stuff. Motivate people with that. Do, they, do your people believe, this is sort of moving from head of believing in their head that making disciples is the mission. Do they believe in their heart that the only way to make a disciple is actually going to be a gospel-centered life in a community on mission. Do they believe that? So they'll give themselves to community life, not just church or ministry or mission on my own sort of terms. Here's, here's why we harp on this, okay? And I just, I feel the need again to just gospel my own heart here a little bit, but um, we love Sunday. We have rocking Sundays, Okay. But two hours is two hours, and 622, we need to make disciples as well. And so that's why you hear us really passionate about that in Soma. That's why I'm harping this today. But gospel community on mission is what we're, we're sent to do. See, here's the thing. If it's not gospel-centered and you're just hanging out, it's not church, okay? It's not Jesus' mission. It has nothing to do with God. It's just, it's, it's a dinner party or whatever. We've got some neighbors. They've thrown a dinner party in the neighborhood of one of our MCs. This lady has had a Monday night dinner for like 20 years in the neighborhood. It's legendary in Tacoma. People die to get on the list because they want community like that. There's no gospel. In fact, I think they're atheists. That's not, that's not missional community life. Though they probably serve better food than a lot of Christians do at their missional community meetings and small group meetings. It's gotta be gospel-centered. It has to be community. Here's why. You can't make a disciple one-on-one. It might be part of how God leads you to disciple somebody. Just like with your kids, I don't always have all three kids in tow. The other day I had a conversation with just one of my daughters and I was gospel in her heart in a certain area. It's part of her discipleship. But see, if, if you hang out, and I was sharing this with some brothers last night, if you're hanging out with somebody who's now starting to walk in the ways of Jesus and you are their primary disciple, in other words, you do one-to-one discipleship for the next, say, three years, who will they most begin to resemble spiritually in three years? You, Caesar. But the mission's not make disciples of Caesar, it's make disciples of Christ. And Christ said, well, you don't really look that much like me, except when you play your role as a part of a body. And so you have to make disciples in a community because they need the foot rubbing on them and the lips and the ear and the knee and the calf and you know what I mean? They need a whole body of different people types rubbing on them for them to be fully formed and become like Christ. Otherwise, they'll just become like you, which might be better than they were, but that's still not the mission. 
And then it needs to be out on mission because until people are out there regularly amongst sad, stinky, grumpy, hard to get along with people and those outside the church, until that occurs, their gospel need doesn't emerge that much for you to be able to apply the gospel to it. See, sitting in a class or like even like this today, not a lot of discipleship happening here. Not a lot of gospel need emerging. Hey, the temperature's about right for most of us. Fairly comfortable seats. The snacks seem to refill themselves back there magically. We've got indoor plumbing. We're going to go eat something here in a little bit. See, right now, if, if we're teaching on the you know, works of the Holy Spirit in your life, oh, I'm the most sensitive to the spirit guy in the whole world. But go home, see? Go home and... Someone's borrowed the truck again, and it's banged up, and it's out of gas again. How's my heart? Do I love people more than the truck? And my daughter said she'd do the dishes that were all totally left over from last night because everybody's coming over today, and she's gone, and she didn't. And I'm freaking out about it. And my neighbor, who's a freak, I don't know what his deal is, he has flung dog poo from his yard into our yard with a shovel again. We don't even own a dog. I don't know what his deal is. How you, how's your gospel sensitive? How's your Holy Spirit sensitivity now? See, unless you live in, on mission, your crap doesn't emerge. So the gospel can be applied. And so we sit in these perfect environments calling it discipleship, but there's no need. Get out on mission amongst people that don't agree with you, don't like you, don't want to hear what you have to say, aren't even that thankful that you're serving them. And all your muck will come up and you get to bring the gospel to bear on each other from all these different perspectives in the body. So you really can't make disciples outside of gospel communities living on mission. Do people believe that? And then are, do they believe it with their lives? In other words, are they giving themselves? See, when I, when I see people who don't want to live in community, I wonder, do they not want to be discipled? Or do they just not know? Have they not been motivated to understand that? And I know for, I've had conversations with lots of churches. Well, we've got this way of doing things, but we'd like to be having missional community, but our people won't make the shift. You've got to motivate them. They need to know the power and the purpose. They're going to have to believe it in their heart that this is best for them, and they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to have to start to be obedient to that call in their life. Or you're going to have to wonder if they're really in Christ. It's, it's, it's a fair question. The last thing we motivate with and you get to look at is what gives you the power? What gives you the power to live this out? So we had what you love, what you believe in your head, your heart, and your hands. What gives you the power to stay motivated and on mission? And probably you've guessed it already, it's gotta be the Holy Spirit. It's gotta be the Holy Spirit living in us. Christ didn't die just so we could avoid hell. Christ died so that when we were forgiven of our sins and washed clean, he could put his spirit in us and dwell in us and empower us. That was the point of the cross. That is where we get our power. Paul says it's the power that raised Christ from the dead. I was saying that earlier. That is pretty powerful. Yeah, but our budget's really tight. I don't think we could really give to that. I think the power of the gospel, the power that raised Christ from the dead is bigger than that. I'm afraid of what my neighbors will think, or I don't know how to say this. Let's see. Raised Christ from the dead, helping hand. I think it's strong enough for that. 
trust kids to community college versus university because I'm just not going to spend that kind of money on it. <laughs> like, there's too much mission to do in this city. Well, I just have to trust God for their future. Power that raised Christ from the dead, to believe that. Yes, you have it. I, I, I've, <laughs> I felt like the biggest duh thing occurred this last year in my life. Um, recently, I've, we've been as a community really trying to focus on this. Like, where are we getting the power to do this? I mean, are we doing this in our own strength? Are we doing this in our own strength? How's it going? You know, and, we, and we've had to repent as elders, actually, of being really smart and working really hard. We're probably not that smart, but we do work pretty hard. And we've actually had to repent of that, being smart and working hard, because we realized we weren't doing things in the power of the Spirit. And we've started to call each other to accountability on that. Like seriously, like we'd be stoked about something. We're all in agreement. Man, we're going this direction as a community, as a church, as a leadership team. Let me just check your heart a second. How do you, whose power are you doing that in right now? Or whose power are you planning to go to this city or go do that work in? You know what's crazy? Scripture says that even our righteous acts done without faith, i.e. without the power of the Spirit done in our own strength, are like filthy rags. Our killer church plants done in our own strength and not in the church power of the Spirit, filthy rags before the, before the king. Whoa. All of our missional work out in the neighborhood where we worked really hard and kept a big smiley face on and everybody, we made everybody happy, but we never invited the Spirit to any of it. It was all of our plans and we read somebody else did it in a book so we thought it looked cool to do it here. We worked really hard and super tired now and we, I don't think we ever stopped and asked the Spirit for power in any of that. We did that all in our own strength and it went really well. Filthy rags. So in many cases, I've actually led my people and my family and myself to go out and stack up tampons before the king because I did it in my own strength. And so we've been starting to learn to go like, you know, at the end of the day when you're just kind of fried and you know you've got that one more meeting or end of the day and someone calls and says, I could really use a hand with X and you go like, man, I want to be missional and live like a family. So, oh, I know. I'll pray and ask the spirit for strength. And you do and you pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so fried right now. I'm tired. You know the day I've had, and I'm sure it was from you and your sovereign. Could I just have some strength right now? And if you throw in a dash of good attitude to go with it, I'd love to go serve them. And I found the Spirit shows up every time. Oh, like really, like boom, I'm revived. Like seriously, every time I've ever prayed that. And usually he throws in the dash of good attitude to go with it. But then, this is the duh factor. Then it dawned on me this year, like baby Christian here, toddling along, why, why go through your whole day in your own strength and then when you finally tap out, pray and ask for some Holy Spirit strength to get through that last push? Why not try this, Brainiac? Why not start your day by going, Holy Spirit, I want to do this day in your strength and power. I think the day holds X, Y, and Z. It's yours to reorder at will. I want to do all this in your strength, none of mine. I only want to say what I hear you say. Amen. Guess what happens then? You get that strength for the whole day. <sighs> Duh. What gives us the power for mission? Are we motivating our people to work harder, try harder, put in longer hours, show up more, give more? Or are they, can they do it actually in the strength of the Spirit? Like seriously, when people say now, like, well, I, to tell you the truth, why we don't give more is I don't want to give more to the mission. 
Would you be willing to do this with me? Would you talk to the Holy Spirit right now and ask the Spirit to give you the motivation and the heart to want to be more generous in light of God's generosity in your life? I'd be willing to do that. All right, let's ask the Spirit to do that. Done deal. Done. What gives you power? Is it hard work? Isn't this interesting? If you go through, I don't have the time to do it right now, if you go through and you, and you bust it out like a lot of the common scriptures that sort of outline the work of the Holy Spirit out there, what, is, what does scripture teach that the Holy Spirit does in and or for us? Like just, just call out some stuff. What is the, for what, you know, you know of scripture, what does the Spirit, the Holy Spirit do either in or for us, for his people? Just call it out real loud. Convicts. Comforts. Intercedes. Instructs. Renews. Huh? Helps. Strengthens. Leads in all truth. Wait a second. Helps, reminds, convicts, teaches, leads, counsels, reveals truth. I thought that was the job of the pastor. Help, remind, convict, teach, lead, counsel. That's the Holy Spirit's work, family. Take a deep breath with me right now, would you? (sighs) Pressure's off. The yoke is, in fact, easy. Hallelujah. The spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, lives in every one of your people. This sounds like the work of the church to me. Help, remind, convict, teach, lead, counsel. It's not your work, it's his work. He might do it through you. He might do it through your people. You need to motivate them to trust the spirit. Like, let's just stop relegating the Holy Spirit to sort of like, You know, that weird uncle who only shows up like once in a while on Thanksgiving and we don't quite know what to do and he says funny things to us. So, huh? Like, really, be a functional Trinitarian, would you? You know, like, lead your people to to trust and listen and be empowered by the Spirit. Don't lead them to just get out on more mission and more program and more stuff. Don't make disciples in your own strength. Let the Spirit do it. That's where the power is going to come from. That's where the peace to do this and get up every day and go, I can't believe I get to. I cannot believe I was chosen for this work for this king. And I, it's not even hard. I came in naked. I'll leave naked. I get to use this stuff along the way. I'm empowered by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's, it's good news. The Spirit's the one that changes hearts and transforms lives, not us. I mean, you think about that. Anybody who's married knows that. All they argued in the world and right reason, that doesn't get it done. If you've got teenagers, it's got to be the Holy Spirit, man. You believe this. Motivate yourself. Motivate others with that. The Spirit's the, primarily, the primary discipler and equipper of people. So let me just close with a couple of questions. In what ways, you can say it audibly if you want, (laughs) or you can just think it. In what ways have you been motivating your people rightly or not been? Let's start there. In what ways maybe have you been 
not motivating your people rightly when you think through that list. And, and can, you, can you begin to see how things might change in your ministry, in your church, in your world, in your cities, if you were to actually use gospel motivation? You know, like really going after what they love, making sure your people really do love Jesus and understand what they've been given. Do they, do they, do they believe and know in their head power and a purpose of a gospel not a me centered it's about you and your happiness gospel but that they know they've been saved for a purpose that was set aside for them before eternity I tell you it's a huge motivator people are dying for significance and when you point out the image of God in them and tell them that God has a purpose for their life from before time began uniquely that's a great motivator versus we got to get this stuff stacked up Are you motivating with should not and should or what would it look like to motivate with, yeah, you don't need to do that, but you need God in that way. Are you calling people to be obedient to what scripture is taught or are you just okay teaching it and allowing them to keep living like they never heard it or believed it? And then the really good news of are we leading our people to be empowered by the Spirit? Like seriously. And that's going to start with us. It's going to start with us. People see us take a deep breath as leaders and start to trust in and be empowered by the Spirit and guided and take stuff off our schedule and add stuff in and whatever based on what the Spirit is calling us to do. And quit doing our righteous acts without faith. Wow. I'll tell you, some of those questions that I was asking at the end there, they're powerful and they're reconvicting me right now. (laughs) Weird. As I even hear myself asking those, I'm like, uh, what about you? Yeah. People are dying for significance. Will you offer them a list of Christian to do's or help them believe what God says is true of them, their gospel identity and allow the gospel to change them and lead them on the this amazing adventure that Jesus calls us to. I hope so. I hope this has been challenging to you, but in all of the best ways. And I want to invite you to keep learning. And I want to invite you to a powerful free training that I'm doing about the gospel in all of life. And it starts to speak into our marriages and our priorities and motivations and our identity and hard things in life and conflict and how we motivate all these things. I want to invite you to join me for that free training. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash motivation to register for that. Pick a time that works for you. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash motivation. I hope to see you in there. Okay, let's get to the big three takeaways from today's topic. You don't want to miss these big three. Maybe you were driving, maybe you were at the gym or out for a walk, so I write these down for you. You can get a printable PDF of the big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three. You can go do that right now. I'll send it to you. All right, here's the big three for this week. First one. Jesus was serious about the cost of discipleship, but he was also clear about the benefits and results of living in light of the gospel of the kingdom. 
Be aware of the subtle ways that disobedience, self-preference, and complacency creeps into your heart and replaces a gospel motivation with a self-motivation. It's sneaky. We've all got a little bit of it lurking there. Beware of that. Every human being was created to live their lives completely for God's glory, showing the world what he's like. And every Christian's been saved and called for the purpose of making disciples. Is this the primary focus of your life? Hmm. Here's number two. Christ didn't die just so we could avoid hell. He died so that we would be washed clean and he could put his own spirit within us once again, dwell in us, empower us. That's the purpose of the cross. The apostle Paul reminds us the spirit is the power that raised Christ from the dead. And that is pretty powerful. We all have the same spirit dwelling in us now. This sheds a whole new light on do not lean on your own understanding that we hear in Proverbs 3, 5. We have the power that raised Christ from the dead, the wisdom of God himself dwelling in us. And I would add, do not lean on your old fleshly motivations too. Let the spirit and let the gospel reshape and change your motivations. And number three, the power to live the life that the gospel motivates us to live must come from God himself. Like we were just saying, we have the Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is the primary discipler of people and the motivator of hearts. We don't have to just push harder and push harder. The Spirit encourages, reminds, teaches, convicts, and guides us. That's the work of the Spirit. If you've been trying to change people or corral people or grow your church or get people into a new way of being or doing the church on Sunday or any type of ministry apart from faith, that the Holy Spirit will do that work, you're set to fail. Even your righteous deeds and works apart from faith are like filthy rags. Remember Isaiah said that in 64, six. No one wants that. Trust the Spirit. The Spirit's the primary disciple and motivator of our hearts. All right. Well, again, I would love to get to know you and help you increase your gospel fluency and your ability to motivate people rightly towards the mission, starting in the mirror, starting at your own table with your own family and then outward into your community and church. I'd love to set up a time to get to know you, talk, have a short Zoom call, tell you a little bit about the coaching and mentorship that that Tina and I offer. You can check this all out and set up a time to talk if you're interested. It's no obligation. I just love to get to know you. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. And we'll set that time up. All right, time's up for today. I sure hope this has been an encouragement and a challenge to you. I hope you'll join me again next week as we continue to look at discipleship and mission as a lifestyle. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 